Welcome to the Collecting Confidence Podcast, where we'll explore confidence, what it is, why we need it, how we get it, and how we lose it. I'm John Barry. Hello and welcome to Collecting Confidence. My name is John Barrett and today we're going to be joined by Lori Seitz. Lori has a very interesting set of skills that she has. One of the things that she used to do was she had a thing called a gratitude cookie and we're going to talk with her about that. It has to do with being grateful for the things that you've done and for the things that other people have done and that's one of the things that I want to talk to you about today is taking the time to essentially pat yourself on the back for the things that you've accomplished. And a lot of times It's because we're wired to look forward to what can we improve, what can we do next, what can we do a little bit better tomorrow than we did today. And I think we've been wired that way forever and ever. It started a long, long time ago where we wanted to move indoors and get out of the weather, and we found a cave, and we found out that if you cooked over the fire, it tasted better or it killed whatever the bugs were. And then we came up with indoor plumbing and cars and electricity. And we're always looking for what's next. We want that flying car. We want the hover skateboard or hover shoes or something fun like that. We're always looking for what's next. What can we do? And we don't take the time to go, wow, we did that stuff. We look at all the stuff we've done. And if you just look at the technology around you, we've done a lot of stuff and we've made a lot of improvements and there's a lot more coming. But in your life, There's a lot of things that you've done. There's a lot of skills that you've gained. There's a lot of things that you've done to be better. And it's important that you take the time to look at those things and pat yourself on the back for what you've done, because that's where you can gain some confidence in knowing that you've accomplished stuff, that you have succeeded in the past and likely will succeed again in the future. I used to be in a boat hobby, radio-controlled boat hobby that had battleships from World War I and II that had 132-inch balsa wood sides, and they had BB guns, and they shot at each other, and they sank each other. And the boats were fun to play with. But we had a a leader of (laughs) our team. His name was Flugel, and Herr Flugel was very good at rallying the troops and very good and insightful on making your boat better. And I'm not normally a list maker. I married a list maker, but I'm not normally a list maker. But he had a strategy that he called flugalizing. And flugalizing was to make a list of the things that aren't fun about your boat. Does it take too much time to get to the batteries? Does it take too much effort to get it down into the water? What are the things that are not enjoyable, that are not fun, that you dread, that you don't look forward to? Make a list of those. When you get back to your workbench, fix some of those, make them better, make them different, and make improvements to them. And that is one of the things that's good about list making is that it does move you forward in a direction. So you have some confidence that if I can get rid of all of these things that aren't enjoyable, I'll be able to enjoy myself when I go to the lake. So we would flugalize the boat and make it better. And I think that it's the same thing in life that you can take and figure out what it is that you're not enjoying, make a list of that and flugalize. I know that list makers get a certain amount of joy from checking that box, getting something done on the list, and moving forward. You pat yourself on the back when you have your complete list done. And I know some list makers, if that list isn't done, by the end of the day, they're they're A, not happy, and B, they're going to tell you, well, if the list isn't done, then the day is not over yet. And they 
really want that list to be finished. That's where they get their pride and joy is being able to successfully do that list. So make sure that you have a list of things that you've done in the past. If I go back and look at the to-did lists of everything that I've done, I've accomplished a lot of stuff, but I'm always looking for what's next, what's going forward. And I'm not confident about something coming up, yet at the same time I should be because I've done a lot of stuff. And there should be a lot of confidence built up by looking at this huge pile of stuff that I've already done. So as we go forward, hopefully we'll be able to show ourselves a little gratitude and we'll be able to get some confidence by looking at the things that we've done that will help us as we go forward. And we'll be talking with Lori Seitz, so stick around. Joining me now is Lori Seitz. She's a business leader, mentor, coach, speaker, and hosts a podcast. Lori, welcome. Thanks for having me, John. I am thrilled to be here. Well, this is going to be a fun talk and you've got a lot of different things that you've done and I'm looking forward to all of that. The very first question that I have for everybody is, what does confidence mean to you? It means feeling comfortable in your own skin and not being afraid to, to show up as who you really are. And why is that so hard for people to do? I don't know. I think it's because they're afraid that if I let you see who I really am, you might not like me. So I'll step into this role and be whoever you'd like me to be so that you will like me. Are there just that many people pleasers out there? I think there are. <laughs> I have come across many. Even the ones that you wouldn't initially think are, once you get to know them, you'll see they are. I totally understand that. Well, now, because you're also a podcast host, I, I recognize that you have come beyond the confidence level to where you can reach out. And some of that is you were also a radio personality in uh, Southern Florida, but you didn't start that way. Talk about your start, the, the early Lori. What was yes, that like? The, the young Lori. Like, um, yeah. Like, what was that show? Um, the young, what's it? Sheldon? Yes. The young Sheldon. Young that's Sheldon. what I was thinking. Yes. Yeah. The young Lori, she was very shy. She was a super shy kid, smart. All the report cards said, Lori is very bright, but she needs to learn how to speak up in class. And I just, I was always afraid that even if I knew the answer, what if I said it and it was wrong? Like, I didn't want to embarrass myself. I didn't want to put myself out there and, and take the chance that I might be wrong and that would be really embarrassing. And then I would die. I don't know. And that was pretty much my, most of my school years, all the way up until I got to college. And the moment my parents dropped me off and drove away, I went straight to the TV station because I started as a broadcast major the first two years. And that's what I loved doing was being in the studio, whether it was radio or TV. I know that's kind of an ironic but <laughs> it is a little strange to go from I don't want to speak in front of anyone to I want everyone to hear me. But there's a difference because when you're in a studio, there's you're behind you're behind a microphone or you're behind a camera. So it's not like you're standing in front of 60,000 people. I mean, 60,000 people might be watching, but you don't see them. I talked a little bit about this in an earlier podcast, but it's a little bit like that mascot effect. I had the joy of being a mascot for my college for women's athletics. And 
when you're in the mascot, they're not judging you. Mm -hmm. They're judging the mascot. And so the mascot can do whatever the mascot wants. It's not personal. <laughs> and it's the same sort of a thing where people don't see me. And it's you don't have to worry about because they won't judge. They won't judge you because they don't see me. I'm not sure. Maybe that's the ostrich effect. I don't know. <laughs> maybe. Right. I don't know that they're not judging you, especially on TV. I mean, I've read some accounts re more in the recent years of how brutal the public can be with broadcasters and yes. in every aspect of from what they look like to what they, how they speak. Yeah. Yeah. I worked at uh, channel five, our KSCP affiliate here in the twin cities and worked with Gretchen Carlson. And she seemed like a wonderful, fun person who had the world going for her miss America, but she had a lot of things going on that were making it seem like her life was horrible and people were treating her poorly and she was being judged all the time. And I still see that when I see a celebrity, I just, I wish I could just take them camping and get them away from the cameras and everything and just see what they were as a person, because I'd really like to like you, but I'm seeing a side of you that you want me to see mm -hmm. rather than the side of you that's you. Yeah. And so I think that's a very, a very interesting thing. So you went into radio and how... How did your confidence, how did that go for you, getting that confidence to not only do it in college, but then to do it outside of college? Well, yeah, I did it in college. I did four years of college radio, but I changed my major halfway through my college experience to public relations. So I didn't graduate with a degree in, in broadcast and I didn't go into broadcast right after I graduated. I went into marketing and corporate communications and then Several years down the road, I went back to broadcasting, got the got a job working on air radio at a real station. Yeah, by that time, my confidence was a little a little bit more built up because I'd had how many years? Like ten years of career behind me, and so I had 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 some accomplishments already. Can you identify some of the things that you felt really helped you? gain that confidence over time, whether it was a mentor or an experience? I was just going to say, I, there was one mentor in particular who helped me a lot at one of my jobs. And he just, I mean, he was just a fantastic mentor. So he supported me and gave me the tools and the space to make mistakes, but not berate me for them. And so that builds up confidence when you're like, okay, I'm figuring this out. And I'm give, given the space to figure it out and the responsibility to figure it out. Yeah, I totally agree with that. Having That's one of the reasons I think as kids, you know, we have the our peer group that serves as the peanut gallery to sit and mock us when we say something wrong, misspeak, fumble, whatever. And so we're very cautious about sticking our necks out because we know even our best friends will mock us for the next couple of days because mm -hmm. we said or did whatever it was, slip and fall in the lunchroom. And that's it. So I think it is important to surround yourself with people that lift you up rather than knock you down. I've, I've noticed that a lot in Toastmasters. It is a very safe place and people are there to help each other. How do you decide who's going to be around you outside of in real life? How do you pick and choose people to support you? The same way you just said is finding those people who are going to be supportive. As an entrepreneur, when I see posts on social or talk to somebody who's just starting a new business and they ask the question, what's the most important piece of advice you would give a new entrepreneur? It is get yourself in a peer group 
where you can find people who will support you when things are going wrong and when you're facing challenges, because you will, it is guaranteed that's part of the journey and celebrate with you when you find success. Yeah, talk a little bit about the celebrating your wins, because I think a lot of people don't do that, especially I'm you know, a middle-aged guy from the Midwest. We just look at what's wrong in the world rather than what's good. That's why they shot grumpy old men up here. But uh, tell me about celebrating wins. What should we be doing? How should we be noting that? Such an interesting question that you're posing to me right now, because I actually made my word for 2023, celebrate, because... I have not done a very good job of that myself. And as a high achiever, I am always looking at what's what didn't I accomplish and what's next. So, you know, reach a milestone and just keep going. Oh, yeah, that's cool. So I had a chapter. I was part of a collaborative book effort this uh, that the book published January 1st of this year. And I had a chapter in in this collaborative book. Okay, great. I like shared it on social. I, you know, I'm a published author now. Yay. Next day, it's like, all right, what's next? Like, I didn't even really stop to celebrate. And I was like, what am I doing? This isn't because the reason this is so insane is because when you celebrate, you get more to celebrate. Like, this is an energetic, universal truth. It's just like when you look for things to be grateful for, you will see more things to be grateful for. When you look for things to complain and criticize about, you'll see more of those too. Celebration works the same way. When you stop and celebrate your wins, universe sends you whatever you want to call it, universe, God, higher power, more wins come your way. But why are we so reluctant to do that? It's crazy. It's one of those things where if we're looking at the negatives, which we some, we're probably wired that way because we're always we trying to improve our life and make things better and easier. But I think that we don't focus on the good things. And so our mindset is that something's wrong, something's not good enough, something needs to be better rather than look at all the stuff that I've done. And when I think of my, my kids will give me a hard time because I don't do technology well because I'm in the over 20 crowd. But there's a lot of technology that I've had to learn and, you know, laser discs and eight tracks and reel to reel and all the things that I've gone through, I've learned all that. And now mm -hmm. I don't use any of that, but I've, when it comes to technology, I've gone through a ton of technology. I've learned it all and I can learn whatever's next and I will, but we look at, I just don't know how to do that. I know you probably won't see me doing a lot of TikTok dances, but it's not that the world wants that or that I should be doing that. It's just that there's a lot of stuff out there to do. And if you have that technology, if that's a problem for you, you know, I just say find someone else that can do it for you. But to me, those those victories of learning a laser disc and the victories of learning reel to reel and all that stuff, I don't even think about that. That's all behind me. It's what's next. And that's really, mm -hmm. you know, and I think I think of it like a race car driver in the Indy 500 is doing what 250 laps. You don't think of the laps behind you. You worry about the laps ahead of you. And I think that's how we're wired. That's true. And when he or she wins, there is a celebration. So it's not necessarily paying attention to the wake behind you while you're driving. But once you arrive where you're, where you're headed, where you expected to show up or where you did show up, then it's time to celebrate. Mm -hmm. Give yourself a few minutes, a few days, whatever it is to bask in that celebration. Before you go, all right, now what's next? 
And let me ask this question too. Do you, is there a person that you think of, if I say who is a confident person, is there a person that comes to mind that leaps out that you go, oh, that is a confident person. I wish I could pull that off. Barbara Corcoran is one that comes to mind. Mark Cuban, if we want to stay on the sharks, Richard Branson, Sarah Blakely, the founder of Spanx. What is it about them that strikes you as confident? I'd be curious to find out if they're as confident as you think they are, because that's one of the things with confidence is they might, they might be just making it up. But what is it about them that you feel is confident? There's a, a mental toughness to them. And it, it just seems like they could overcome whatever challenge is put in front of them. They'd be like, oh, I got it. It's okay. And not even it's okay. I got it. And if I don't, I can figure it out. That Marie Forleo, everything is figure outable. Are you someone who likes to make goals, have a list, things like that? I do have goals. I'm not super competitive. Like it's not going to make me run faster if you put me in a contest with other people. But I do have, I always have lists everywhere mm -hmm. of things to get done. So I don't know if that's so much goals. I do have goals, but more I have lists, which I don't know how helpful that is. Each, each check mark is a, is a goal that you've got. True. But they never end. That's right. That's, that's true. The too. Thing. Yeah. Yeah. But I, yeah, I married a list maker. And so we're often discussing lists and she makes enough lists for both of us. So I don't really have to do lists. And she knows if I make a list, I'm really feeling swamped because I normally won't. I just next bright, shiny object. And we'll work on that and we'll work on whatever's <laughs> next. So, but she's very good at making lists. And we will joke about the, the jumpstart things. And this is kind of, I think, with collecting confidence, having those quick wins, the easy wins. And so for list makers, I always joke about how you have saved the world, saved the whales, close the window. Okay, let's get that one done off the list. And now we're moving on to saving the whales. But having those quick wins is important to build up confidence. And I don't know if you have any insight on that, but looking for quick wins when you're doing coaching, is that something that you look for for people? What I tend to do is give them things that they can accomplish. So a lot of coaches, and I'm not a big fan of the term coach and, and calling myself a coach, but a lot of coaches tell people what they can do. Like you could do this. You could do that. What if you did this? And they leave a session and their head is spinning with all the information. So what I prefer to do is to give people, okay, at the end of the session, here are the three things that I recommend you look at, read, do, before our next session. And it makes it very manageable. And I've had clients tell me that they appreciate this. It's bite-sized pieces that they can go do. And then, yes, I never really thought about it, but it is building their confidence one step at a time instead of making them feel overwhelmed, which they're probably already feel before they come to me, with tangible steps. So speaking of bite-sized pieces... Can you tell me a little bit about the gratitude cookie? I'm very curious about that. <laughs> yes, the gratitude cookie. Everybody wants to know about how delicious those things are. So the gratitude cookie was the basis of my first business that I started in 2003. And I, as a marketer, decided I was not me. I, the way I got started in doing gratitude cookies was everybody would say to me, I'd make them for the, fam for the family and for friends the holidays and people would say, oh my gosh, these are so good. You should sell these. 
And when I didn't have a job and was looking for what my next adventure was going to be, I said, all right, maybe I'll make a business of this. And instead of becoming the next Mrs. Fields, that wasn't my goal. My goal was to create a product that would help companies, businesses say thank you to their clients and to people who sent them referrals. And so, uh, so that's how the gratitude cookie started. It was based on, like I said, based on a family recipe, um, started out and with a lot of enthusiasm and a lot of different directions that I could go with that business. And I think one of the downfalls or one of the weaknesses of that was I didn't get super focused on which direction I wanted to go. It was kind of like squirrel over here. Oh, that looks good. What about over here? Oh, I could do this. And all of the things, and I wasn't focused on any one. And it took me a long time to get focused, but I just couldn't scale that business the way I would have liked to. The other thing that I saw that seems near and dear to your heart is the networking and people preparing to network, having difficulty networking. Talk to me a little bit about that because that seems like a passion of yours. Yeah, after I shut down the baking company, I went into, I did some consulting back in marketing and then I thought, okay, what am I gonna do as my next entrepreneurial venture? And I came back to this idea of teaching people networking strategies because when I started the baking company, I had to learn how to get, better at networking to be able to go find clients and referral sources and vendors and all those good things. And as that shy kid, it was very intimidating for me to walk into a room full of people where I don't know anybody. And how do I start a conversation? Like, it looks like everybody's already in a conversation. How am I going to find someone to talk to? Or how am I going to break into a conversation that's already happening? And I had to learn how to do that. And so when I started teaching networking strategies. It was for what I was calling quiet people, because I'm not a big fan of the term introvert, extrovert, too much baggage attached, too many misconceptions of introverts are are wallflowers, which is not true. Uh, But the quiet people were felt more in line with what I how I wanted to talk to people. So if if a person's coming into some sort of a gathering like that, a business gathering or a social or whatever, what are, do you have any tips that they can do to approach that and get their confidence up? Yeah, there are uh, several things you could do depending on the situation. So if it's a business situation and it's a conference, for example, and sometimes conferences put online the, the list of attendees. So if you could look up and see who else is coming, or if there's a hashtag the event is using and you can follow that hashtag and see who else is talking about the going to the event. And you could start conversations before you get there. So you kind of build a little bit of a relationship. So once you get there, you can look for that specific person and say, hey, we've been talking online. It's great to meet you in person. Any Anything for uh, when you actually meet the people? What There's a lot of people that would just go stand in the corner and I don't know that person. I can't really go talk to them. How do you get... How do you get that confidence? And maybe you have to do it at a different meeting before at a smaller meeting with fewer people or family or things like that. That's one thing is go to a, start out going to smaller meetings instead of walking into a room, a conference that has 500 people. That's yeah. Start smaller and talk to the, the event planner, for example, the person who's running the event, get there a little bit early so that you can talk to that person and say, hey, this is my first time at this event. I don't know anybody. Could you introduce me? Who, sh- who do you think I should meet? 
who's the, you know, who's the big connector in the room? You want to meet the person who knows everybody because then they will take you around and introduce you to the other people. And same if it's a social event, if you're, if you can, I mean, you don't want to show up, you know, an hour early and the host is still in the, in the shower, but <laughs> get there a little bit early and see if they can introduce you to people as they're coming in before everyone's involved in a conversation. And then people will hand you off to other people. Also, if you're there and you notice somebody else who's standing alone, go talk to that person because they probably feel just as insecure as you do. And the truth is almost everybody in that room has is feeling some level of insecurity, even if it doesn't look like they are. When you go to those, where's your level of security? Where's your level of confidence at, at nowadays? It depends on the event. So I can walk into a room full of entrepreneurs and I can be pretty comfortable. But if I walk into something where I'm, a, I feel like I'm a little bit out of my elements, I, I don't know, I'm trying to think of an example because, you know, maybe they're, it's an industry that I'm not familiar with and every, and it does look like everybody knows everybody else. That's, that's can still be intimidating for me. Yeah. I've been to some events where it's like a membership play, you know, membership thing. And I'm a guest and I don't come in with the person who invited me because we should, and, and everybody's like, they've known each other for 15 years. Uh, that, that can be anxiety inducing for me. So you had previously had a career in radio and on air. And so the move to podcasting doesn't seem like a huge stretch for you. But talk to me about what it was like to get into podcasting, how your confidence was. I've just gotten now to the point where I stopped telling people I'm a podcast host using air quotes and actually own the fact that I have a podcast. Talk to me about yours, which is fine is a four letter word. Yeah, I love my podcast. I love podcasting because one, it combines that, that love of broadcasting. And what I really love and why I wanted to go into broadcasting originally was because of the stories. I wanted to be able to have it hold the space for people to tell their stories. And that to me is so sacred. So when podcasting became a thing, I thought about it for a long time because not from a, I'm not good enough. What do I have to contribute kind of place? But I was really thinking about what do, how do I structure my show? What do I want to make it about that would be interesting to people? I don't want to just create a show just to hear myself talk just because I love the microphone. <laughs> so it took me a while to find the theme of what I wanted to do. And then once I did, I was all in and I had somebody who was, I took a podcast, podcasting course to learn some of the basics and the minutia kind of things. And people are happy to give you advice on how you should do your podcast. And there was a particular part that I said, no, I'm doing it my way. And that is at the end of my show, I have five key takeaways and I record it separately because I, I don't know what they are until the show is finished and I go back. And that causes an extra step in production. And I said, I don't care. This is how I'm doing it. And that turns out to be one of my listeners' favorite parts. So it's a matter of following your intuition in this case and in really any case, but it's just another example of how following your intuition is so important. I love the podcasting, if only to hear the stories of other people. 
and what they've done. And that's kind of the idea behind the podcast is everyone's journey, how they've dealt with confidence or lack of confidence. And then the stories, My probably my favorite is Meredith Edwards, who I had on episode 27. And she is, she's got a podcast. She's the extroverted introvert. And she finds the best people to interview. And it's like, I don't know if these are just people in her neighborhood or whatever, but I love hearing their stories. And I thought people need to hear other people's stories because it is interesting. We don't all walk down the same road. You and I were talking before we started recording about how I approach a networking event differently than a shy person does, to put it bluntly. And so to me, I don't know that I'd be good at trying to, I'd be a great wingman for someone who is very shy, but I'm not a good person to take advice from because I just look at it a whole different way than you do. So uh, I do think it's important though, surrounding yourself with people like that and finding a mentor, a coach, a leader, a helper. And when you said, don't, or when you said, look for that person who is all alone in the room, that's exactly what I love doing. I'm, I feel like I'm rescuing them. So I feel confident about what I'm doing and about what I'm saying. And if they say, go away, fine. I was only here to help you. But I do think that's, there are some important steps like that that people can take. So the, the networking can be really good. And once you find someone, hang on to that person and have them help you. Uh, well, okay. I'm not sure I would advise you to hang on to that person because <laughs> then you kind of become like a, a pariah. I don't know. Is that the right word? You're like, like, I was thinking more of support rather than the, uh, yeah. The At the actual sucking. event, like they're like, yeah. I'm going to go refresh my drink and you follow them. And then they're like, I'm going to go oh, yeah. use no. the restroom. And then you follow them. No, <laughs> no, not like that. But I'm saying that that's a, that's a good person to keep in your life to touch, uh, reach out to every oh, once in a you. while and, and keep in touch with. And, uh, and you know, the people that tell you, you'll never be, you're not a podcaster. Why would you be a podcast host? Cause I, you know, had people that have told me that it's like, no, I'm, I'm not a podcast host, but watch me. I will be. So it is, there are some people that will pull you down or say, no, you have to be what you've always been. We don't want you changing. The reason they do that is because your changing makes them look at themselves and most, and people don't like to do that. They don't like to have to do some self examination. Mm -hmm. And when you change it causes them to look at what are they doing and maybe they don't like what they're doing, but they don't want to change. So they don't want you to change either. Mm -hmm. This is why it's so important to have coaches on a, in your, it really, I was going to say in your business journey, but in any part of your life where you are looking to make a change, friends are fantastic. And God love my, I am so blessed to have a lot of really good friends at the same time when you really need guidance, your friends are probably not the best place to go for it. it. A coach or a therapist, or I mean, they serve different purposes, coach and therapist, but someone outside of your friend and family circle is going to be more objective. When you were talking about changing, one of the things that leapt to mind was that you started off as someone who wasn't speaking up in class. And now you are out there speaking all the time, doing engagements, doing interviews, and you're with the Women in International Security, Women's Impact Network, Women in Technology. You're out there talking all the time. Talk to me about that journey of how do I go from being the shy kid in class? How am I now out there being a keynote speaker at things? It's interesting because I feel like I love having a microphone. And so that is, is I don't know if it's like a, like a pacifier or something. I mean, I don't know. But 
there's some, I don't know if this is going to sound weird, but there's a power in it, but it's not a power trip for me. Again, it's that exchange of energy with the people in the audience that fires me up like nothing else. I love that. And getting to do that is just so much fun. I think one of the biggest things that's contributed to my confidence, the confidence I have now is age. I mean, again, growing into who I am, not really being that person at 20 in my twenties or maybe even my thirties, probably not, uh, but becoming more comfortable with who I am and what I have to say and whether and not caring as much still have some care uh, about what other people think about what I'm saying or what I'm doing or what I'm wearing. Or you know. Yeah. There's a certain amount of when you're young and trying to figure stuff out versus when you're old and don't care. And one of the quotes that I've heard is don't take opinions from people that you wouldn't take advice from. And so making sure that you don't give those people that power to do that. How can, how can people find out more about you and the things that you're doing? How can they connect with you? The best place to find me is on my website, which is zenrabbit.com. And you, you have for sale an ebook on how to feel comfortable, confident, and courageous at networking events. They can get that too online, right? Yes, it is on the Zen Rabbit website. Just look at the top on the homepage. You'll see a, a it says mm -hmm. networking. There's and a they can sign up for a newsletter as well. And as I understand, some meditation is you also are a, a, a <laughs> proponent of meditation. Can you just talk a little bit about that? I don't want to not go there. Yeah, actually, I started creating meditations. So first and foremost for networking. The first meditation I ever created was for my networking clients to help them feel calm and grounded before they walked into a room. It was five, it's a five minute meditation. And it's now part of the Confident Connections course, which is part of, the, so you have the book and then there's the course Confident Connections. And then there's a follow-up goldmine prospecting system that goes with it. But part of purchasing the course, you also get that meditation. Uh, and then I've created some other meditations. So there's a guided, a guided gratitude meditation. I think that's what yep. you were talking about yeah. is yeah, there's a, a six minute and I, you can get that for free at zenrabbit.com slash gratitude dash meditation. Maybe we can just put a link to that in the show notes. Uh, is there, before we go, is there a final uh, tip or a hint that you can give people to help them to gain or maintain their confidence? People are not paying attention to you as much as you think they are paying attention to you. And I'm sure that other guests have probably shared that as well. We really get so wrapped up in what other people are thinking about me and other people are not thinking about you. Do your thing. Life is, life is an experiment. That's what I'm really discovering. Do what brings you joy. Excellent. Well, thank you very much for being here today. Thank you for sharing all this. I hope that people will look you up and find out what you're offering them. But it sounds like you've got a lot of irons in the fire. So I, I wish you well as you go along. Thanks so much for having me. Thank you very much. Bye-bye. Enjoy your evening. Bye. Today's tip of the day is to show yourself some gratitude for your successes.
Thank you for listening to this episode. You can get more information about Confidence and check out the merchandise store on the website at collectingconfidence.com. If you like what you heard, subscribe and pass the link along to a friend who needs to collect confidence. If you're listening on Apple Podcasts, please leave a review. It's one of the only ways to know if I'm doing a good job. Another way to let me know is to go to the support page. Consider making a small monthly pledge. A pledge as small as the cost of a cup of coffee each month goes a long way to keep the episodes and the information coming your way. The last way to let me know what you think is to drop by our Facebook page or send me an email at john at collectingconfidence.com. I'd love to hear from you, and I'd love to help you. Now let's go collect confidence.